Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hi, all. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. You guys, today's episode is going to be so mind-blowing. So I have a friend and a past client on who I love and who had such an amazing birth. And through our time together, she was like, oh, yeah, he, he, do you know anything about oral ties and tethers? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I do. I, like, know how to tell parents when to go take it to a professional and, like, maybe get it checked out. It's pretty out of my wheelhouse to be able to like identify and and diagnose. It's not something that doulas do. So, you know, I usually can identify where problems are happening. And I just suggest that parents are going to like their pediatrician or a pediatric dentist. And she was like, you know, there's way more to tongue ties and tethers. And I was like, really tell me more. And you guys, when Erica told me, I was like, all right, full stop. How do I get you on the podcast? Because the people need to know about this. You guys, tongue ties and tethers are way more than just the tongue. It can be the cheek. It can be your lips. It can be so much. And and then it impacts so much. So breastfeeding, posture, spit up, digestion, like just your baby's overall temperament. Erica, I'm so, so, so excited to have you on the show today because I think this is a conversation that parents are craving and they have nowhere to turn and they actually may not even know that there's a problem. And a lot of parents just think breastfeeding is hard, nipples fall off, they just are damaged and cracked for months on end, or like, you know, babies just have projectile spit up and it just is what it is, or, you know, my baby just favors one side and that is normal and they don't know any difference. So today's conversation, I know is going to be so life-changing, but before we dive into all that, tell us who you are and how did you get to the place where you are now educating people on this very acute diagnosis of tongue ties and oral tethers? So my name is Erica Higginbottom. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist. I have just always loved working with kids. And my background is actually in sensory integration, and we'll get to that later, but the mouth plays a big role in sensory processing, posture, all of these things, even as you're older, not just with babies. So one thing that I noticed in the sensory processing world was that breastfeeding issues and feeding issues tend to pop up with a lot of my kids. So I was always kind of interested in this. And then when my son was born, 
the breastfeeding issues piled in and I couldn't get him to latch at the hospital. He was screaming, he was hungry. And I didn't know enough to know exactly what was going on, but I knew enough to know like something's going on here. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And I knew from a sensory processing side how to support these things because whole body movement can really help with the mouth and can help with breastfeeding. And just like the mouth helps with whole body movement, which we'll get to later. But so I was doing all of the body pieces. I didn't exactly know what to do in the mouth. And I had no idea where to turn. Like you just said, there are not a lot of resources for this. This is a pretty, it's a relatively new area of practice because people are seeking it so much more. Um, That's not, you know, we can go into the numbers on tongue ties, but at the end of the day, no, there's no like concrete evidence. There's no concrete data really on how many kids have them, what the incidents, if it's grown or, or any of that. But I wanted to figure out what to do. I knew what I wanted, but I couldn't find that person. I knew that the whole body was impacted. I knew that my, my son had tension. I knew that there were things going on with his cranial nerves. And I knew that he was struggling to breastfeed for a reason, but I didn't have anyone to turn to. And, you know, the pediatrician says, and, you know, she's fabulous, but, but it's not her place to really know these things. And she said, well, he's gaining great. He's obviously getting a lot. He's sleeping well. We don't want to mess with that. And fast forward a couple months, I start hearing about tongue ties and I start learning about tongue ties. And I, and I had asked a million times, does my son have a tongue tie? Does he have a lip tie? Do we think this is what's going on? And I had more than one person, including a pediatric dentist tell me no. (laughs) And all I could think was, why am I in so much pain? Why isn't this working? And where do I go? Like, there's no one to help me. I really pushed through to breastfeed. I pushed through that pain, but I had so many resources at my disposal. I had a supportive family. I didn't have to go, go to work for 40 hours a week, you know, two weeks after my kid was born, like half of their country does. So I had all these resources and I kept saying, how would someone do this if they don't have the resources that I had? And again, where do I even turn with all of my clinical knowledge, knowing what's out there, knowing what I can find. And I finally came across this woman, Michelle Emanuel. She is in Cincinnati and she's amazing. She was exactly what I needed for my son. I found her, you know, years later after I had done, I had done the the body work that they tell you to do. I had, he'd had chiropractic care since he was born. He'd seen cranial sacral therapist. He got the release, then goes back for more body work and orally, not many things changed. Whole body wise, not many things changed. So I said, why did this help so many other people to do the body work, do a release, do more body work, but it didn't help my son. And I know I'm not the only one. So that was when I, that was when I found the oral function piece and figuring out how to help babies, their oral function. And that's when I got deeper into the whole body piece and the movement and the sensory processing and putting it all together. And so Michelle Emanuel was an amazing resource for that. She taught me all about pre and post phenectomy care. So doing that therapy piece working on the oral function before they go in for the phrenectomy and then working again on that oral function after and including the whole body with that. So 
not just passively releasing tension because if there's tension there, there's compensations, which means it's there for a reason. So we want the body to let go of that tension that is caused by these compensations. So um, Michelle Emanuel like really inspired my practice and helped me put all the pieces together so that I can bring that information to parents and so that I can help be that therapist that I needed when I was crying in the hospital because my son went and breastfeed. Oh my gosh. Okay. You just hit <laughs> on so many things. First, I want to set up kind of like a visual for our listeners. So you guys picture a skeleton. Now picture all your muscles and your tendons on that skeleton. And now I want you to take one muscle in the neck and make it a little bit tighter. And then you're actually going to see the shoulder on that side compensate and that hip and that knee and that ankle and that foot. And so Throughout our whole conversation with Erica today, I really want you to keep coming back to the body as one whole structure. And when we mess with one piece, it actually is a ripple effect, both positively and negatively. You can mess with one piece positively and have a positive impact ripple down the body, but the same thing negatively. So Erica, before we talk about the oral function and you know what did work, I am pretty much only familiar with cutting laser or offering chiropractic care or a combination of those. Talk to us about what each of those kind of include. And then, you know, what did you find when you had done those and you were like, oh my God, this isn't working. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people will tell you to either go to a chiropractor or a cranial sacral therapist before to help release that tension. In. And then you'll go in and you can either, you, the most common ways are a laser with, through, usually a pediatric dentist will use a laser and, or a scalpel, like actually cutting that restricted frenulum. So I guess for our list, for the listeners, it would be important to know that when we're talking about a tongue tie, we are talking about extra tissue that is holding the tongue usually holding the tongue down, impacting how far it can move up to the side forward. So it's impacting the way that your tongue can move because it is holding on with this extra little piece of tissue. And that is the same with your, with the lips. So usually, you know, some people say, oh, my baby just has a lip tie. I have never in my clinical experience seen just a lip tie. I've always seen a tongue tie with a lip tie. They're like peanut um, butter and jelly. They go together. <laughs> yep. They go together because if there's something going on in the middle, it's likely impacting, you know, lip and, and tongue. Yeah. I've just never seen that someone has a restricted lip, but there's no restriction in the tongue. There's controversy about whether or not certain presentations of tongue ties are real, which I find so interesting. So, you know, sometimes when you look at a tongue, you can just see very obviously that there is a piece of tissue tethering it down with other babies. You can't necessarily see that tissue tethering down, what happens is you can't really see the floor of the mouth and distinguish that from where the tongue is. And you have, you're, they're tethered down in a different way. So people can look at, look in and say, oh yeah, no tongue tie, but that just means there's no anterior tongue tie. There's nothing that you can just snip with scissors. And those are the kids really who functionally seem to be impacted enough that they really need that therapy piece. And that was my son. He had that a thick 
mucosal tie, it was, it was hard to distinguish the floor of his mouth from his actual tongue. So those posterior ties are controversial, controversial. It seems that the posterior, the the babies who have the posterior ties seem to give the parents the most trouble with the breastfeeding. Um, seems to be more painful. That seems to be a very common theme with that type of that type of tie. And that was the case, you know, that I experienced as well. It was a very painful experience to breastfeed. You know, every day I didn't know if I was going to make it to breastfeed the next. Spoiler alert, I ended up breastfeeding him for two and a half years. <laughs> so, So it all worked out. We figured it all out, but you know, it was really stressful in the beginning. And if you told me I was going to breastfeed for that long, I would not have believed you because I didn't know how I was going to get it, get to the next day. Never mind the next month, never mind, you know, the next year. So. And I think you just um, like so many of like solid points. And you had mentioned before that we have no, you know, parental leave in this country. So this, I think, is where so many parents find themselves being like, fuck it, just give me the formula. It's so much easier. I'm in so much pain mentally. I can't keep going emotionally. I am drained physically. I've reached my limits. And I now have had six people tell me I don't have a tongue tie. Turns out my son does have a tongue tie. Right, that would push any human over the edge. Right, and the only reason why I could keep pushing on these and keep searching was because of my clinical experience. But you shouldn't have to have a master's degree to parent. <laughs> you know, I've studied childhood development. I've seen it. Like I knew, I knew immediately that something was wrong, and I, you couldn't have convinced me otherwise because I know development and I knew this wasn't right. But if you're a first-time parent and you're listening to professionals, medical professionals, other professionals telling you, you know, that, that there's nothing wrong. I mean, who are you to not believe them? You, how are you supposed to know? So this is where, you know, resources are huge. Education is huge. And within the medical community, just trusting that if a parent says that something is wrong while they're chest feeding, like something is wrong. <laughs> yeah. And your instincts not always know. Exactly. And your, your parent instincts always know they are always right. So if something feels like it's off, don't stop digging. There is a provider out there who will listen to you, who will step alongside you and say, you know what, let's dig together. I don't know the answer and I don't know what's going on, but I will help you dig. Exactly. And so luckily I did, you know, my son's pediatrician, even though in the beginning she, she gave that advice, she actually does refer out for tongue ties in cases, you know, everyone, I think everyone's clinical knowledge has grown on tongue ties. It's such an exploding field and we're learning so much as we go. Um, And on top of that, she has always supported me and like believed me in what I say. And she's been an amazing resource, but not everyone has that. I went in with him for a visit with a nurse practitioner one day. And this was the day before his tongue tie release. He was four months old and he hadn't gained any weight in three weeks. And she said to me, well, it's because he's crawling, which was true. My four month old was crawling which is another piece that I can get to because that is related to me. And it's not necessarily a great skill, but she said, well, it's just because he's moving around and he hasn't started solids yet. He was four months old. So 
he went from being in like the 80 something percentile at birth to now he was down to like the 10th. And she tried to tell me that was normal. And then when I said that I was taking him for a tongue tie release, she said, well, did you know that 67% of releases are unnecessary? And I looked at her and I said, what's the control for that study? <laughs> like, how do you know? So yeah, these were the things that I heard from medical professionals. Oh, another thing she told me was he has a double chin and starving babies don't have double chins. It wasn't a double chin. It was a sublux sublingual diaphragm. And that comes from his tongue tie. <laughs> so um, sometimes you have, when a baby's chin hasn't grown out, often because they're not able to use their tongue in their mouth the way that it is designed to. So you have this tucked in little tiny recessed chin underneath here is going to look like a double chin because there's not enough space for it to grow out. So she tried to convince me that that was a double chin because, you know, my chubby 10th percentile baby who was in the 80th percentile for height or 90th percentile for height, that that was normal. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm like looking in the camera and be like, do I have a little double chin? I just recently, and I do. So this is so this is a, a really important thing to touch on though, because for parents, they hear all these things and then they hear the posture and then they're going to hear me talk about development and tension and movement and all of these things that it's connected to, but I have a tongue tie and I'm okay. Like, and that's not to say that I'm not seeking the resources to, you know, eventually get mine released. And I think that I will see some great changes once they do that, but I have lived a nice, like wonderful life to date. You know, I, I, I was a scholarship athlete in college. I, you know, I did well in school and then I, I went, I got my master's. I'm like doing what I love. I'm living just like a really happy full life. So I don't want parents to think like, oh my gosh, my kid has a tongue tie. I didn't do anything right. And now they're doomed. <laughs> but what we're talking about is optimal development. The development is so complex and there are so many factors that influence. And so I cannot tell you by looking at your baby, what they're going to look like when they're 30 years old. You know, there are so many influencing factors. So what we're talking about is optimal development and supporting optimal development and giving you the confidence to know what is going on with your child and to feel like you have resources for that. If you want to do anything about it, but like you say, you're an adult that has a tongue tie and loves life, wouldn't know the difference if you didn't have all of this clinical knowledge, right? I lived 31 years before I went to this body worker who told me I apparently have a tongue tie. I didn't even know had she not <laughs> said that to me six weeks ago. I still wouldn't know, right? Like totally. I think there's probably a lot of adults that walk around with, you know, still restricted oral like motor function and and don't have any sort of clues so talk to us about that oral function what are we looking for in babies for optimal development and how do we identify when maybe something is off versus oh this is just normal baby behavior this is normal baby tongue stuff right so what we want to see with babies is that they can move their tongue in you know, kind of all directions that they can lift their tongue to their palate. That is, seems to be the biggest thing with tongue ties is if we need baby to get their tongue to their palate and be able to rest on the roof of their mouth. Now that resting on the roof of the mouth really helps support a calm, happy baby. We have cranial nerve connections that help 
what I would describe it as is kind of like slow the brakes on the nervous system. They tell you, okay, it's time to start relaxing. It, it kind of dampers down that fight or flight, that sympathetic, like scary, gotta go mode. So that's really important for what we call regulation. It helps get a happy, calm baby and throughout the lifespan, not just for babies, even, you know, as children are getting older, even adults, myofunctional therapies is available for adults. So <laughs> you're not a last cause, but that's a really important piece. And it's not just for, we want their tongue suction to the roof of their mouth at rest, especially when they're sleeping, that can help promote a nice, relaxed, full, restorative sleep. And it's also important for breastfeeding too. And for bottle feeding, we want to have a suction to the palate. And that's really important when we're feeding is to get that suction and have a proper wave-like motion um, with the tongue when feeding. And so if the tongue can't even get up there, it can't get a suction. And then baby is using compensatory methods in order to feed. So they might be gulping, which is going to be scary. I mean, take a sip of a drink versus gulping and having like a huge amount of liquid in your throat and then pulling it in. And um, a lot of babies who can't get that suction, they're taking in a lot of air too. So when we have gassy babies, when we have babies who are spitting up, when we have babies whose temperament are just, you know, just off. I, I had two tongue-tied babies. Kiki was my doula for my second. And, you know, she was, she was born and she was colicky. And I knew, I knew for the second she was born just by looking at her face that she was tied. She had that recessed chin. So I knew in utero, her tongue, her mouth, they were not working the way that they should. Babies aren't just born and then start using their mouth. You can look at babies in utero and you can see they're practicing swallowing. You know, some of them are sucking their thumbs, which can also be a sign of oral dysfunction. Because if you can't get your tongue up there, you got to find another way to help your system calm down. So your, your, your thumb goes in your mouth and it's reaching that palate, right? So you're finding a compensatory method for calming. So this doesn't just magically happen once baby is born. In utero, they're using their mouth and they don't just use it for oral things. Their mouth actually helps elicit movement. So this brings us into the whole body piece. If you have oral restriction, if baby has oral restriction in utero, they're not practicing all of the movements that you would expect them to practice in utero. So then when they're born, we're going, well, why does this baby have torticollis? And then people are blaming the parents because you put them in a container. No, the container might have exacerbated it. The container might have made a restriction obvious instead of being on your tummy and working through movements and reflexes. Things might have gotten worse, but a container does not cause torticollis. So this is, is usually related to that oral restriction. And my own daughter, again, she had torticollis. She had the tongue tie. She had full body tension, as did my son. They both had all of this tension and they couldn't slow their systems down. And so this is another piece. Like I said, my son, he was crawling at four months. My daughter, belly, belly crawling at five months. And it's less because they are, you know, just so skilled and more because they couldn't stop moving because 
you know, grieving is less comfortable for them. They're not slowing their system down. So it, you know, I'd rather have a tense kid who is interested in engaging in their environment than have a baby who's, you know, not interested in anything and kind of checked out and just not engaging. But that those skills really came from their tent, really came from not being able to slow their body down rather than from this, you know, um, amazing skill that my kids are doing these things so early. Rolling before like the 16 week mark, usually a sign of tension. So one way that you can tell if there is tension going on, and again, often I'm going to see oral restriction with these babies born with tension, with these babies who have torticollis, plagiocephaly, brachiocephaly. They, a lot of times, if you look through your camera roll, you can see that their head is turned to one. So look and notice, is my kid's head always turning to one side? That is a sign of tension. And so we have talked about, you know, going for body work. Body work is amazing. I love body work. I have the most amazing relationship with our chiropractor. She, she's just, she's the best and she's so knowledgeable and I love her. Shout out to Dr. April Kaczynski, grasshopper, but that's not the whole piece. So if there is tension, it's compensating for something. If you get rid of that tension, then what happens? So, you know, if you and I got rid of all of our tension right now, we're not going to live. We're just going to be puddles on the ground. We need tension. Our body, even when we're developing normally, we need to balance tension and mobility. We need to be, we need to have some tension and some movement. So we're not looking to just get rid of tension. And we also, I also don't think of tension as an issue with the tissues. It's the whole nervous system. So the whole nervous system needs to want to let go of that tension you need to have everything strengthened the way that it's supposed to be so that the body is ready to get rid of that tension. So active movements and active therapy are really going to help support the release of that tension. Something like tummy time, which you have mentioned. So you guys scroll back to the episode where I have Dr. Shabby, who is a chiropractor. I learned in that episode and anyone who listened to that episode learned that if you have a baby who comes here, who can like hold their head up soon after birth, like way sooner, everyone's like, oh my God, so strong, so skilled, so advanced. And professionals are actually like, oh my God, so tight. Like your baby has so much tension. I'm concerned. I never knew that. This is crazy to me. So tell me how tummy time plays into that oral functioning and that sensory integration and being able to move through this tension. So tummy time itself, just getting your baby on their belly is a natural way that babies use reflexes. That's how a lot of reflexes are what we say elicited. So that's how they're seen. There are reflexes that happen when babies are on their bellies that they need to have and they need to work through to support, again, optimal development. Because I know there's a parent out there saying, I never put my kid in tummy time. Like we're talking optimal development. Some babies have a hard time with tummy time. The tummy time method is created to give you simple steps, give you exactly 
how often to do it, exactly what to look for and exactly what to do if this, this, and this pops up. So Tommy Time Method is really about helping baby be calm and happy in this position. And it also helps support parents being calm and happy because they're confident in what they're doing. Now the Tommy Time Method, it's, I love it because because it's so simple, but when you peel back the layers, it really is complex and it gets every piece in there. So, you know, if our, if our tongue-tied babies are not moving as much as they need to in the womb, they're not getting the same sensory experiences that they're meant to get in the womb. So they're coming out already compromised. And then on top of that, you know, if they're not able to move through and even get out of the birth canal, there are reflexes that are elicited and then again, integrated by going through the birth canal. So if they don't get these experiences, then they are going to end up needing to find a way to get them, right? We need to get them once they're earth side, if they're not getting them in utero. And the tummy time method is really a simple way to get all of the movements that babies need to integrate a lot of their reflexes. And then it gets them in this tummy position where they're going to need to integrate reflexes and they're happy in it. There's no crying in tummy time. That is something that Michelle Emanuel says. And it's my favorite part about it. You know, parents are always end up so worried about making their baby cry and they don't like this position. And, you know, I've even heard some people argue, well, we shouldn't be putting our kids in tummy time because they don't like that position. So we need to put them on their backs. And I'm going, when are they getting to their backs on their own? There's no position a baby can get to on their own. So we want to support you in getting them into this position. And we want to get maybe all the movements that they need. And the tummy time method really rolls that into one. Now, the way that it's going to support that oral function too, is the neck needs to elongate. And you need to strengthen all of these muscles for swallowing to support the tongue that, you know, the, the tongue in prone is going to be very different on their bellies than the, than the tongue is going to be on their back. So getting them on their bellies is going to help support strengthening those muscles that they need. Now that alone isn't everything. You still need to work on that oral function piece, but it is a really, really great start. And it is a great way to help get baby's nervous system in a way that they can accept then the release of that tension. So I love doing the tummy time method and all of this oral function alongside chiropractic care because they help baby's body accept the movement and baby's body is more acceptive of the chiropractic care when they're going through and moving in good alignment. So, you know, you talked about this, the tongue, that in the mouth, even starting at the lips, that is the start of your core. You think of your core as, you know, your stomach muscles, but your core starts here and goes down into your pelvic floor and getting all of that into good alignment and then moving through your environment in good alignment is it's, it just helps support a lot of functional pieces. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we can all see how connected everything is, right? It's like just one big system. I really am imagining the little skeleton toys where you pull the string and the whole body moves in some way or direction. Okay. So tell me this, if all of this stuff starts in utero, are there things that we 
are doing or are not doing. One of the most interesting questions I've ever had, and I only had one person ask this, and I was like, I have no idea. I'm definitely not the person to ask this. They were trying to connect the idea that possibly prenatal vitamins and or pregnant people are consuming too much folate or folic acid, which is then creating extra tissue. Is this a concern? What's your opinion? So I can tell you that the evidence points to a genetic component to tongue ties. So there is a genetic component. I hate to say anything about prenatals only because I don't want people to feel like it's their fault, you know, or that you shouldn't take them because you should. Exactly. And so the evidence says that folic acid prevents a lot of these neural tube issues. And so I hate to say that yet without having really firm evidence, I hate to say that folic acid is a cause. I will also say there are some genes where you don't process folate and folic acid this the way that you're supposed to. You don't methylate it is what they say. But again, the overall evidence points to, yes, take your prenatal vitamin. There was a recent study that did show, and I would have to look it up to know the details, that did show potentially a link between the folic acid and tongue ties. I would say the risk of not taking it is not worth the reward of not having a tongue tie. And again, it really depends on your genetic makeup as to whether or not this impacts you. And then the other piece is From what I understand, just from what people say, it's not an immediate like switch to folic acid and then suddenly it's all out. I switched to, you know, methylated folate from folic acid and it's magically out of your system. I actually took the methylated folate when I was pregnant with my daughter and she was still born with a tongue tie. So I don't want to make any giant leaps without having any evidence, especially when the evidence supports taking your prenatals to prevent neural tube issues. I'd love to see where that evidence goes in the future, or if there's even any interest in researching it. I've only seen maybe like two research papers on it, but that's definitely a conversation to have with your doctor or a functional dietitian or a functional um, medical provider to talk about whether or not you should switch to like a methylfolate. Again, that's very much out of my scope of practice though. So I'm just speaking on what I know from the evidence and what I've read. Yeah. And there'll be other factors that play into it. If you're a family that doesn't have a history or the genetics of oral ties and tethers, have this conversation hundred percent, but your doctor probably is going to say, go about things as normal. It may be a deeper conversation with your provider. If you do have that familial history, or we do know that you've had four children before and they all have had ties, you know, but even still, I agree with you that I'm not sure the data is sufficient enough for us to be changing the overall recommendations without a much deeper individualized conversation with people who, who might be concerned about this. Okay, Erica, I'm mind blown. This <laughs> conversation was so good. I am just baffled at the intelligence that our body has and its ability to always seek the highest function by compensating for things that may go wrong. So we have such a hard time identifying these things, I think, because a lot of times it looks like your baby is doing just fine, kind of like your son, gaining weight, sleeping through the night, is has a great temperament, babies cry, so like if he's a little fussy, that's kind of what babies do, but I think you're a great testament to 
if your mama gut, your parent gut is saying something is off, definitely dig into that because the body will almost fake you out. It will compensate to a point of trying to get to the highest functioning. And if we can support that in a better or a different approach, I think it's wonderful for parents to know that these resources do exist. So if people wanted to reach out to you, if they are thinking their baby might have a tongue or oral tie, if they want to join one of your tummy time groups, if they are just interested in maybe asking for other resources or, you know, where to go in their particular area if they're not in the Boston, Massachusetts, New England area, where can they connect with you and how can they work with you? So you can find me on my website, otbymommy.com. You can also email me, Erica, E-R-I-K-A, at otbymommy.com. I am running Tummy Time Method classes starting very soon. I'm, I'm putting those together right now in Westford, Massachusetts. I also do home visits in, on the North Shore and in the Boston area. You can get me to come right to you. So I really love the group setting though. So if you can make it to a group, I highly recommend coming to one of our groups in Westford. I'm actually located in pregnancy and postpartum PT. We share a little space there. So I'm really excited about that. I will also say when it comes to tongue ties, it's a team approach. I'm talking about me and my perspective as an occupational therapist and supporting that oral function. But if you're having breastfeeding and even bottle feeding issues, it's important to also have an IBCLC on your team. You know, as much as I really love to support babies, I don't think we can have one without the other. I really think that we need each other, IBCLCs and OT and, and even speech, speech therapists are also great with this, but we really need to work together and then come to us first before going to a release provider, please let us help you maximize function before so that when you get this release, everything can start to be, you know, we can get the maximal amount of function. We're not working against these compensations after the release. We really want the body to be ready for it. So yes, active therapy, come see me and I can help recommend an IBCLC. I also do virtual visits. And so if you just reach out to me via email, come find me on my website. My Instagram is OT by mommy. Just come find me and I'll help you find some resources. We have so many amazing therapists who are, we're ready for you guys. So <laughs> come and find us. Oh my goodness. Life-changing resources, you guys. All right. If your baby is having trouble latching or you notice that they are super gassy or their spit up is out of control or their sleep is messed up, or you notice some muscular restrictions, you, you notice that maybe their movement, their big body movements don't look like what you had expected. It is always, always, always worth asking just to have a second pair of eyes on your baby, even if it is to confirm hey, guess what? That's totally normal. We would rather you have confirmation that your baby is totally normal rather than you go months or years with a misdiagnosed or undiagnosed restriction, you guys. It is never too late to get it fixed as well. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, my child is four, you should still reach out to Erica. These resources will still be helpful. You heard her. She and I are both in our 30s and it's even worth us going to look at. So thanks so much for joining us today, you guys. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. Again, I think this is something that a lot of parents are craving information on, but don't know where to turn. And Erica, I knew she was the perfect person. So Erica, thanks so much for joining the show today. For listeners, we will see you next time. 
if you're listening on the podcast, check us out on Instagram at Tranquility by Hehe or our YouTube page. And if you're watching on YouTube, check us out on Instagram and the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.